0: Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you are having an amazing Sunday. Uh, my name is Jeff Goki. I'm the executive director of Phoenix One, and then I'm on the teaching team here at Living Streams. And uh, but most weeks, I'm I'm just in the rows with you there. Uh, I sit out there. I worship here. We love this. No, I know it. We thought. We thought. They've had to switch out microphones, so it's been fun. That storm really messed up all that stuff. So, but that's okay. Uh, but Really, I, I really love the opportunity when I get to come and teach, so thank you so much. Um, I, uh, we've been in this series for the last three weeks, uh, To the Ends of the World, and the, and the goal is this, the hope is this, is that we want to invite you in to the greater purpose that you've been brought into, that yes, it is something that God is doing over there, but it's also something he's doing right here with all of us. We all are missionaries on mission for the glory of God. So the hope is that we can come to a greater understanding of what that actually looks like. Uh, For most of my life growing up, I I went on mission trips. So we would go to, you know, I went to Jamaica and Guatemala and and, and did that. And then I kind of went through a 10-year period of time where uh, I just said, no, I'm I'm all done with that. And uh, I had gotten married and became a pastor and things like that. And then 12 years ago, I went on a trip to India, and I've talked about this and at other times when I get an opportunity to speak because it was so transformative for me. It was one of those trips where it's like, oh, everything changes from here. It was really deeply impactful for me and in my life. And to the point that, I i mean, we were I was in the villages like preaching the gospel and like hundreds of people coming to know the Lord. And I'm like, I I need to be here. Like, I need to move my family to India. And so I was like, you know, so radical. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, Skyping my wife from India going, I think we need to move to India. And she was like, why don't you just come home? But uh, like, like, I was like so overwhelmed by what it was happening, I really felt like, I think God's calling us to India. So I'm on the airplane on the way back home, and I was journaling through the whole experience, which was uh, something I, I continue to do. I have all these journals with just that experience. And journaling through that, and I was building anticipation about, you know, what it would look to like to have my family there, what it would look like to be on mission there, and all of that. And all of a sudden, I just felt like a pause. And, and I wrote in my journal, I'm not calling you to India. I'm calling you to the camel that can't go through the eye of a needle. You know, if you remember in that passage, Jesus is talking about the affluent and how it's, he said it's almost impossible for them to enter into the kingdom of God. And what he was saying is, I'm calling you home. To be a missionary at home. To take what you've learned around the world and bring it back home and to be a missionary at home. And I really felt that he had called me to be a missionary to the suburbs. And I was like, without the suburbs like get me out of the suburbs I don't want to be in the suburbs put me in India put me anywhere but the suburbs but I felt like that was a real calling on my life and so that's what I've been doing I've gotten the opportunity to speak all over the United States about what God has shown me around the world to bring that home to the to to the one of the greatest groups of people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because we have so much and we think we got it all figured out right here is our mission field Some of you he will send around the world. The vast majority of you, your greatest mission field is right here, right here. And this is what Jesus was trying to help his disciples to understand initially. Remember, the sending out first starts at home and then around the world. And so Jesus says this in Matthew nine, Matthew nine, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. In other translations, it says he had great compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 35, we get introduced to what Jesus is actively doing. And what I find so profound about this particular part of Jesus's life is that God comes to us. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, comes to us, and he doesn't set up shop in a synagogue or a church. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting how we have become so accustomed to saying to the world, come to us? No, no, you got to come to church. You got to show up here, and this is beautiful, and this is wonderful, And we've actually created programs to make it comfortable for everyone to come to us. A lot of the strategies over the last 30 to 40 years have been, come to us. If you come to us, then we'll care for you. But what we see with Jesus right out the gates is, what does God do? He goes to them. What is Jesus doing? His church is in the villages. He's walking around. He's spending time with, yes, his ministry is also in the synagogue. But he is moving and he is active. His gospel is not stagnant, it is moving forward in and out of the spaces and places in what the Spirit of God has called Jesus into. And I wonder if that might create for us a pastoral imagination for our calling in this world. That what we do and who we are isn't just about coming here, it's about going there. And so much of what Jesus is going to invite us into is what happens outside of this space and what he's inviting us to do. William Barclay says this, Jesus turned the words of Christian truth into deeds of Christian love. His love was active. His truth was active. And it didn't remain in a single place. It went out into the spaces and places in which the Spirit of God led him. And I think it's so important for us as a church as a Christians to understand who we are. This is about identity. Who are you and what are you being invited into? What are you commissioned to do here at home and around the world? Verse 36 then opens our imagination into something really profound that's happening to Jesus. And I love these moments when we see Jesus, we see God jesus and what he feels and what we find is he looks across the crowd and you can almost see i just wish you would just with me just in your minds i just stand with him just stand with jesus and see the vast amount of people that he's seeing and it says that he has great compassion great compassion that word in the greek splagnitsima is this the English tends to water down words. Like, we hear compassion and we think, like, a poor little puppy. We go, oh, I feel so bad for that puppy. Ah, oh, I have such compassion for that puppy, right? That's kind of what we think about when we think about compassion. It tends to be a little light. In the Greek, it's trying to help us under a greater sense of what compassion actually is and what Jesus is actually feeling. And here's what it literally means. It's a overwhelming feeling that starts from the top of your head down to your toes. It affects every part of your body. One of my best buddies, uh, he lives in Chicago. We used to live in Maricopa back in the day. Um, if you don't know where Maricopa is, it's like Mexico and then like Maricopa. Okay, so that we lived there for 10 years. Uh, but you know, 30 minutes to anywhere if you live in Mar- Maricopa. And so I used to drive drive into Chandler to work. And and so I would call my buddy on the way, and he and his wife had gotten pregnant. We were super excited, eight months along. And I and I called him, and immediately when he picks up the phone, you know that shudder in someone's voice, something's wrong. And he said he's dead. And his son had passed away in the womb and she had to deliver him. And from the top of my head down to my toes, I felt the weight of what he was, go- you ever been there? Like you get a phone call, maybe that happened for some of you this week, like and it just overwhelms your body. Maybe you see the needs that are in our world and in our country, the tragedies that are happening with shootings and things, and it's just like, it just overwhelms you and you have a deep rooted compassion that hits your soul and your heart and you just don't you don't even have work this is jesus he's looking out and he has great compassion and overwhelming compassion for these people but why why does he feel this why is he so overwhelmed a couple reasons number one is it says that they were harassed and they're helpless they're like a sheep without shepherd He's overwhelmed by the need that is out there, the overwhelming need of what people need. He's just heartbroken by it, overwhelmed by it. You know, here in Phoenix, we have a lot of different group homes. One of my buddies, uh, Ryan Centers, he he runs one called Ohana. This church has been very generous towards his organization and they have group homes. We have a home here where we take take people who are transitioning. They aged out of the foster care system and right here, Right? And if you've gone into those spaces and spent time with these kids, your heart breaks. You start to go like, oh my gosh, they're, they're harassed and they're helpless. They've been abandoned. They're like, it's like they're sheep without she- a shepherd. It, it just is an overwhelming feeling. But here's the other thing that Jesus is overwhelmed by. Who's helping the need? Who's doing something about it? Do you know In the United States, there are 400,000 kids in the foster care system. That's like overwhelming. That's like, wow. Do you know what grieves my heart, grieves the heart of the Lord? There are 167 people who proclaim to be Christians who would just allow this tragedy to continue on. Now we get a picture of why Jesus is brokenhearted. He's like, who's doing something about all the need? Who's going to care? Who's going to love? Who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to be like a shepherd to these sheep that are helpless and alone? Like, who's going to do it? And it doesn't stop with just foster kids. Poverty, widows, you go down the road. There's so much need. And this problem isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's right now in front of us, and it's breaking Jesus' heart and he's looking to you and he's looking to me and he goes, would you break with me? Would you start allowing your eyes to be opening, open to who I am and who you are and what we've been called to do in this world because this is a modern day problem. There are people in this world that are not being taken care of and we have so much here. And Jesus looks to you, and he looks to me, and he says this, like, look, your wealth, your time, your talents were never meant for you. They were never meant for you. People should not have to wonder where to get help. They should know. They should know. They should know that that we are sons and daughters of the most high God on mission for him every single day to go, I'm here to help. What can I do? I'm on mission. You're on mission. We're all on mission. This is what it means to be the ecclesia, the body of Christ in this world. William Carey says this. He says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God but attempt great things for God, which Jesus now looks to his disciples. It's almost like he gathers them around. You can feel it. And he goes, hey, hey, come here, come here. Guys, 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 come here. Do you see out there? You see all that need? It's breaking my heart. It's great. The harvest is so great. And here's the thing, it's breaking my heart. He's like, where are the people? Where are the laborers? We gotta pray to God we got to pray to God that people will start wearing this. The people will be overwhelmed by it in the way I'm overwhelmed, but this is what we need. This is the heart that he's inviting his disciples into, showing and displaying to them. This is what he wants you to feel. He wants me to feel this, be overwhelmed by this. But you probably have the same question that I have which is like, there's just so many needs, right? Would you agree with that? So many needs, and the question that we often get hung up on is like, well, we're, what do we do? Like, if, Well, there's so much need, what are we to do? I have a question for you. How many of you noticed when you came in that something was different about our church? Did anybody notice? Yeah, well, what's different? And trash. There's trash anyway. How many of you thought I should go pick some of that up? Raise your hand if you thought, I wanna do something about that, right? I should go pick up that trash, right? Some of you were like probably highly offended that your church, you're like, listen, I tithe here. Like somebody's gotta be picking up this stuff, right? Right, but how many of you thought, well, they probably have a thing behind it. Like I'll, I'll just leave it or like how many, raise your hand. Like you wanted to do something, but you're like, ah, but maybe, yeah. I just wanna let you know, I totally set you up, okay? I totally set you up because I think this is what happens all the time. I think we make assumptions. Nobody told you not to pick it up, right? Nobody said, hey, don't do that. But you made an assumption, and I think we do that all the time. We make assumptions, or maybe somebody else will do it. Maybe that's their responsibility, right? No, 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 somebody else will. Like this same problem 2,000 years ago is existing. Like the Jews know what to do with the poor. They know what they're supposed to do for the helpless. And they're not doing it. This problem hasn't gone away because people keep relegating it to somebody else and making excuses about something else. This is what happens. But here's the cool thing. We're a people of change. We're a people of radical obedience. And so this is what we're gonna do. What we're all going to do is we're all going to pick up this trash together. Sound good? Because we need to win together, right? We lose together. We all lost together. I get it. We lost. I set you up. I know. Okay, but we need to win together too. So let's go win together. You have 60 seconds to pick up all the trash in this church. You got trash cans over here. On your marks, get set, go. 60 seconds. Go pick up some trash. Look at you guys go. It's wonderful. Work together. Work together. Somebody can grab that trash can, pull it around, get creative. How you work together to meet the need. If you don't know where a trash can is, somebody just hold those trash cans up so people can see where they're at or look where all the people are. (laughs) Good job, good work. Well done, when when you're done, just go ahead and grab a seat, grab a seat. Well done, give yourselves a round of applause, well done. Well done. But you get it, right? You get it, right? Each one of you just went, I can pick up one piece of trash. If one person's in here, two people are in here and they're picking up the trash in this room, that took you 30 seconds. But that's what it means to be a body, an ecclesia on mission together for the glory of God. Because we all own our part. And we can do our thing, our one thing. Some of you have got capacity to do two and three things but we're all to wear this together. This is why church isn't just about showing up on Sunday. You're gonna be really disappointed if that's the kind of life, Christian life you want. You're gonna be so disappointed. This church will highly disappoint you if that's the kind of what you're looking for because he wants so much more for you. And that's what we have right here. And this is what I'm trying to pull out. We have an identity problem. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are. There's so much purpose in that to know who you are, and here's what Jesus is saying, who we are, do you see all the need out there? Do you see where are the people that are meeting that need? And now he dies, and he resurrects, and he looks at those same disciples that he stood over that group of people, and he says to them, hey, remember that? Remember that? Matthew 28, 19 through 20, I got something for you. Go, therefore, go. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, who? You. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What he says is this, that you need to go. Ryan talked about this, go. In the Greek, again, we get a greater understanding of what the word go means Go is this idea of ongoing, actually translated go I-N-G, going as you are going, which means this, going isn't something you necessarily do, it's who you are. You're a person of going, inspired by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with this gospel presentation to the world that impacts every aspect of your life. It's who you are. Like, for instance... As I am married, I am married, okay? I'm a married man, praise be the lamb, okay? I am a married man. I'm so grateful for my wife. I am married all the time, not just in moments. It's not just when I show up at home. I am always a married man, right? Not just, but here's what we end up doing. Like we end up being like, I'm a Christian in this space. I'm on mission in this space. But when I go out there, I don't know, I'm feeling, no, no, no. All the time, it affects everything you do and who you, because it, it's who you are. If you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a person of going, which means this. All y'all are missionaries. Everybody's a missionary, because we think about missionaries, oh, those are people who go over there. They go do stuff over there, but not me. I'm just like a school teacher, or I'm just a, you know, I'm just a business, no, no, no. You're a missionary. We're all missionaries. We're going people. That's what we do. That's who we are. Going is not segmented to a a time or an event or a moment, but rather a day by day, moment by moment, inspired by the Spirit type of life. Which means this, the reason why so many of us are lost in this world is because we're not being who we've been called to be. Your soul, as a result of being a redeemed by the king of kings and the Lord of lords is crying out to go because it's who you are because of who he is. And this is what you're being invited into as a part of being a part of an ecclesia, a part of a body who proclaims Jesus as Lord and Savior and we live in his footsteps. But there is a real purpose in going There's a real purpose in having an impact everything you do, everywhere you go. There is a real purpose in it. And the purpose is this, is that you are a light. The purpose in going is that you are a light. You know, it's interesting that the very words breathed out of the mouth of God is let there be light. And he says to you and I, you are that light. The same light that, that broke through the darkness of the universe. Cascading in darkness and light came to be and out of light creation burst forth. You are that. That's who you are. You are the light of the world like a city on a hill for the world to see it's who you are that's the purpose of our going the purpose is uh, of our going is to be a light unto the nations for the world to see that Yahweh is good Yahweh is loving and Yahweh came in the person of Jesus died for the sins of world of the world resurrected into power and now is living and building a place for all of the family to come together and worship him. Glory be to God, and we get to display that to this world. That's who you are. That's who I am. If I'm a Christian, I don't get to go like, no, I'm, no that's who I am. It's in my bloodstream. It's in my DNA. It's in my soul. It's who I am, which means when I'm not doing it, I'm sick. Selfish. Separated. And it's why Jesus is going to his disciples. I want to invite you into who you are, which means this. It touches every aspect of your life. It touches your marriages. Which, how you do marriage is missional. What you do with your money, which I find it so un- ironic, we call it our money. It's his, and he's loaned it to us to steward well. like it matters. It impacts that. It impacts the way you parent, parents. It's so important that you go on mission and caring for your kids and leading your kids. It's go on mission. Don't abandon them to the culture. Don't give up. I know it's hard. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're on mission. We're on mission. Singles, I know we haven't done a great job in, 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 in church history of really showing you and, and, and championing you into your singleness. You are on mission for the glory of God in your singleness, Show us what it is to completely depend upon God in the midst of not maybe having that significant other. Show us. Go on mission. Don't give in to what the culture says about what you should have and what you don't have. It's who you are. He is sending you on mission. You and I are missionaries. I want you to say, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary, which means you're currently living right now in a mission field. Do you know you just came to church and you didn't realize this is a mission field. You're gonna to go to lunch at Raising Cane's. Raising Cane's, Mission Field, check it out. You're gonna be eating chicken fingers and being like, glory be to God, I'm on mission right now at Chick, it, it, not Chick-fil-A, because they shut down. I don't understand that, but that's all right. Did you ever notice that you only want Chick-fil-A on Sundays? Just me, anyway. I can't even go to mission at Chick-fil-A, but you can at Raising Cane's, okay? But if you got that chicken crave, okay? So you're gonna go there, and then you're gonna go home, and you're on mission at home. And your home is in a neighborhood and you're on mission in your neighborhood. And then you're going to wake up and you're going to go to work and you're on mission there. You have a marriage, you have a mission. You get it? Like you're always on mission. Always, all of us, all the time. This is what he's doing and going, why? Because you're the light of the world. And in every aspect of your life, you get to glorify God. And as you glorify God, it says that people will learn. And the practical part of this is this is that we are called not just to be the light of the nations, but to do what? To make disciples. This is what Jesus is doing all the time. We're to live out in word and deed who we are, which means we can talk, but we also gotta walk. You know what I'm saying? Like we can use words, but we also gotta do the work that he has called us to do. My son has a tattoo on his arm and it says, eyes to see and ears to hear. And I used to pray it for him every day. I used to drop him off to, off to uh, school. I used to pray that over him. And then I'd leave and drive home and go, I think that's a good word for me. You know what I mean? Like, what if we could take on Jesus's eyes? You know the Spirit of God's doing that for you all the time? Showing you, he wants to give you Jesus's eyes for people. He wants to give you Jesus's ears for people. Do you know one of the greatest things that you can do to somebody is just say, hello? Just say hello to somebody. Get to know, you're barista? Instead of just being like, where's my latte? You know, just be like, what's your name? That's, that's evangelism. That's, that's, te- that's inviting people into this mission. That's you being a light. Teaching people and evangelizing to people don't make it weird. Like sometimes Christians are super weird. You ever notice that? Christians are super weird. Like you don't have to stand on a street corner. You can do that sometimes, but just say hi to somebody. Go, go, go be kind to them, be nice. Ask a question like, how can I help? Chick-fil-A does have that right, right? How can I help? How can I help? What can I help you with? You know this church has a lot of staff on it and we're grateful for the work they do here, but do you know what? You're called to help here. Help make this body stronger, care for one another, love one another, serve one another, and serve in your city and serve around the world. But the question is, how can I help is going, hey, this isn't about me. It's about what do you need? That is a practical implication of what it means to make disciples, to walk alongside of them. The other thing is this, is that we are called to baptize them. He says, okay, don't just teach them, but then also baptize them. Why do we do baptism? We're going to do baptism here today. Why do we do baptism? We do baptism because we want public Christians. We don't want a private church. We want public Christians. We want Christians to like throw me under that water, under the banner of Jesus Christ, resurrect me in that power, and I wanna go on mission for the glory of God. You know that's Jesus for 30 years is a son to Mary, helping her as Joseph passed away. He gets baptized and he comes out of that water and he goes on mission to the cross. These people today are gonna to get baptized as a public declaration of their faith. Many of you have gotten your baptism. You've gotten baptized but you've forgotten your baptism. You've forgotten why you got baptized because you've been called to go on mission for the glory of God. And that's what Jesus does. We model what he did. He came up out of that water and then headed to the cross. Why? He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God and to commission and call us into the same way of living which means this. When you live into that, that baptismal moment of going on mission, reminding yourself that you were once dead in sin and now alive in Christ, that inspires you to go because it's who you are. And then the last thing is this, is that we teach them, that we teach them. Evangelism is holistic. And some of you are like, oh, I'm not an evangelizer, but you are if you can say hello. You are an evangelizer if you just make time with people. Kurt and I were talking uh, after first service and he just said this. I thought this was such a good word. And if you know anything about Kurt, he's so good with just loving people and pastoring people. But he just says, I wake up every morning and I just pray for the one. Because Jesus was good with the one. You ever notice that? Woman at the well. What does she do when she finds Jesus? What happens when she feels seen and known? She goes in and she multiplies that love. That's what we're called to do. So who's the one he's put in your life? What, if, well, what purpose to wake up every morning and go, I matter here on earth. And I need to be praying that God gives me eyes to see and ears to hear the people around. Because he's called and commissioned me to be his hands and feet in this world. And when I do that, I experience the goodness and the glory of the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. I start to find my purpose once again in who I am and what I've been called to do. And we need to teach people about the grace of God through both our failures and our faith, which means this. Do you know your failures will preach? Do you know your failures will preach? When has self-righteousness ever worked? I'd love to talk to you about how great I am doesn't work but somehow we picked up on this thing we think like no we got to tell everybody how great we are no we should go around go like paul i'm the chief of all sinners like i'm the worst bro right like we need to invite people into going like when i'm weak he's strong and i'm going to boast in my weakness i'm going to take what was into the darkness into the light for the glory of god do you know your failures are going to be preaching do you know as you go to work and you sit across a coworker and you start telling them your story of failure, that you also get to talk to them about grace and mercy, that Jesus loved you and saw you and redeemed you. Your failures will preach. So let, that, let those failures preach. That's what it means to be on mission. That means on a glory, because God gets the glory then, not us. Just let people know who Jesus is through what he's done in your life. But what most of us start feeling is this, this feels like way too much. This is way too hard. And you know what, I agree with you. So many needs, so much hurt, so much pain. Somebody just feel ill-equipped. Like, how could I do this? How can I make an impact? I get it, I, I really do. And this is where Jesus ends this great commission with this, and it's so important. And I wanna bless you with this. He says this, you're right, it is too hard. It is too much, and you can't do it on your own. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm in the mission with you. I have not abandoned you to the mission. I'm in the mission with you. I'm joining you in the mission, because it's who I am, and it's who you are, and I'm doing it with you, and I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, which means this, you need the Spirit of God to move forward in obedience to God. This is what he's inviting us as a church to do, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and go, I need help with this. I'm telling you, I don't have this figured out. But every day, I'm just going, I need help. Anybody with me? Anybody feel? I just need help. We need help to be obedient. And the spirit of God is like this. Come on, you can do it. You got it. You know, he, he loves it. He's inspiring us and showing us. But we got to be listening and paying attention to the helper, the one who wants to invite us in to his mission. We are God's people in God's kingdom doing God's work you know i told you like eight years ago we started an adoption process uh fostering first and then adoption you know we really wanted to you know i was talking about that need that need about foster care is near and dear to my heart because in the valley like it's massive near and dear to my heart and so my wife and i wanted to do something about it and so we did and you know i was i kept thinking like oh i'm just you know we're gonna save this little one you know, we're going to help her. We're going to give her a home. We're going to stop that tragedy that happens generation after generation for her. We're going to stop. We're, we're going to be able to do that. And guess what? We are, and we did, and we participated in that. But here's what the Lord taught me that I didn't think I would get taught, is that while we rescued her, the Lord used her to rescue us. That's what happens when you start moving forward in who you are. You start doing the work of the Lord and all of a sudden you start finding joy. You start finding peace. You start finding healing. In the brokenness of this world, guess what we start to feel? Guess what we get to see? Our own brokenness, our own depravity, our own pain. And he's rescuing us as we're rescuing other people. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you wanna find contentment and fullness in this life. You will find that as you become who you say you are. This is the beautiful work he's inviting us all into. You both get to bless and be blessed. That's a part of my story, and I'll have it all figured out. I really don't. And here's the thing I think about all the time. You know, I know sometimes when I get up here and preach, it feels like a pep rally. And you know what it is? I'm pumped up. I I, I just get excited about the word of God. And I get excited about like, what if? You know what I mean? Like, what if we actually took this? What if, what if this, we did this? What if we put a stop to mental illness because we're being obedient to what he's called us to do? What if maybe our souls are so sick because we're not becoming who he's called us to be and so we're constantly in disarray? Like the church of Laodicea, you're never hot, you're never cold. And so they never get to feel the fullness of what it is to follow Jesus. I think about it all the time. I'm like, but I started thinking like this. This isn't a pep rally. This is a proclamation of who we are and what he's called us to do. And yes, I want to get us wound up, I want us to get excited, but we, we don't need pep rallies, what we need is proclamation. We need people to actually take the word of God and we need them to go do something with it. So I don't know about you, I'm in it, I'm trying to figure it out, I don't have how to figure it out, but I'm trying. And so I just say, what does it look like as believers in Jesus Christ start picking up pieces of trash together? You're not alone in your mission, we're in a mission together. And so I don't know about you, I'm gonna try to head out those doors today I'm going to figure out my peace that he's invited me into. Because it's who I am. It's who you are. And I think it would be really cool if we could figure out, as a church, how to do this together. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we need you. I just, that song, like, we need you. We need you now. I know this word will not return void, you promise it won't. Your scriptures say that your word would not return void. And I know your spirit is convicting people right now. Maybe you'll convict them to go care for orphans. Maybe you'll convict them to go care for widows. Maybe you'll convict them to go overseas and do missions overseas. And I'm gonna trust and release them into your hands that you're gonna do the work in their hearts and their lives. But spirit of God, don't give up. I know we can be, Lazy at times, spiritually speaking. We, we can be blind at times. Please, please continue to pry in on us so that we can see the need around us and have our hearts break like Jesus' hearts broke. That we would fulfill your commission to go into the nation, to love them as you love them, care for them as you care for them, for your glory and your honor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said, amen.